Welcome to another edition of Destructor's Den. It's your boy Satsby and my co-host Ravi. We're just getting warmed up in the page, but today we're talking about brand marketing. We're talking about what does it mean to build a brand and how do we build amazing brands in today's world and economy. And so that's what we're trying to do. If you're in the mood to get along and hang out with us, please come and join. And we can't wait to share what we know and then we'll take it from there. sometimes have conflicting schedules and uh to their point they'll jump back and forth between the two uh between this chat and theirs uh so that's interesting <laughs> i love that i love that how do you want to for this format like what's the, is this different from the other formats or how do you want to um if you can just give me a little bit of a, a sense of that then i'll make sure to follow along because i don't know if this is different or the same mm -hmm. yeah so um, I think, uh, you know, so it's, it's going to be the same. I think like we got to run like a similar format. So people are used to it, um, um, you know, uh, familiar with it. Um, so similar format, just uh, we, we switch a topic around. Uh, I love this thing Satish has set up, which is uh, pass the mic where, so whoever's speaking can decide who gets to speak next. Yeah, um, I love that too. Right. Um, so, so Travis, today, you know, you kind of, uh, you know, inspired this topic. Um, so I made you moderator here as well. Check. Uh, let's, uh, we'll, we can ping some people into the room, but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get her started. Satish. What's up? What's up? Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Man, I almost had to double check my phone to make sure I'm on the right time. <laughs> Day. <laughs> Have you guys had one of those days? <laughs> yeah. So I, I am recording this. I want to test out the recording functions and, and, and see what happens. It's crazy because like when you're recording, Clubhouse actually sends you a notification saying that, uh, uh, you know, you make sure to tell everybody in the room you're recording. Are you recording directly on the device? Yeah, I'm recording on the device. Um, I'm trying to use some different apps, um, see how the qualities are. Nice, right. man. Satish, yeah, Satish, uh, you know, I know you got, a, you got a hardware setup, which is probably the best quality. Yeah, I'm, I'm also testing the recording today, and, and I'm using my, my audio mic to speak to see if um, the quality can be better. So anyhow, we're trying to level up with every show uh, and build mm -hmm. our brand as a segue into today's topic. Definitely, man. <laughs> All right. I'm just pinging some people into the room. So those of you guys that are joining, say what's up. Uh, Travis, what's up, my dude? Rajan, hello, good to see you again. What's up, what's up? What's going on? Good to see you as well. So is this becoming habitual now? Like, you guys are like, okay, 9 p.m., time to jump on. Yeah, I think Ivan Pavla will be super happy to see this. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, like, uh, when, when my music festival couldn't continue, we decided to go live, and we didn't plan on it but we just like after dinner you know go do some music and then you know fill in the gaps in april last year and so we just picked a random time 7 30 but i went live every day for about two months and then uh one evening i was late by half an hour and we had about 80 messages from people 
hey, it's 7.30, you guys are not live, what's going on, when are you coming on? <laughs> and I didn't know until that point that we had become a 7.30 tune-in program. So it was, it was incredible. <laughs> what platform was this on? Facebook. Facebook. Wow. Yeah, and then and then they're like, okay, now now we have a we have a slot, we have a time slot. People plan around it, and and they and they sort of build the evenings around hanging out with us for an hour. So uh, I hope that's what we can duplicate here. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I think that eventually this is becoming that. It's becoming a nine o'clock uh, nine o'clock slot, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I mean, I mean, going back to branding, I mean, it's that's funny enough. Like with Clubhouse, like you're limited by branding, right? Because there's only so many avenues you can uh, bring people in here. Like if you just start a club off uh, randomly during time, um, you got to use other apps to promote it or to like push it out or get people to subscribe to it. But uh, if you at least follow a st like strict schedule, people know when to tune in. Absolutely, that totally is exactly that. Yeah. Should we invite a few people on stage? Yeah, absolutely. I know Anakul is here. Red Ruben can't speak today. Oh, Sundar's here. Justin. Hello, guys. Sorry, I couldn't come earlier. No worries. How are you finding Clubhouse? It's it's getting interesting, but killing a lot of my time now. Yeah. Are you making connections off here? Yeah, I, I met with few people, but, uh, you know, connections good. I don't know. I can spend so much time on this. <laughs> cool. You just have to figure out what else you don't want to spend time on so you can spend time on here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's about letting go nowadays, man, and, and, and sort of making more time. That's what I look at. I'm like, look. We, we had this 8 to 10 for a while, and I was like, Ravi, uh, I can get out from 9 to 10 because that's my wife's alone time. She's catching up on soaps and, like, doing her downtime. So I can perfectly fit 9 to 10 without sacrificing anything. I get, no, I get. <laughs> After I 10, no. At 8 o'clock, I can't. Yeah, my wife is doing the same thing. So <laughs> I, come, I come from late, around 6 o'clock sometimes. But other than that, yeah, it's good. I like to be here, part of you guys. That's amazing, man. So let's let's set up the room and then we'll dive in because uh, somehow the hour goes really quickly and I know we're recording this. So I want to make sure we have uh, the content down packed with all the knowledge that we're going to share. So, uh, you know, today's topic is about brand versus product sponsored by the homie Travis. So we'll get him to dive in and sort of um, explain what's going on. Uh, I'm part of the duo, Ravi, myself, uh, been trying to figure out how to get this Disruptors Den happening. Uh, we've been on every single night, 9 to 10, coming up with different topics. And usually, if you're listening in the room, uh, we either pick up uh, on your vibe and read your bio and tell you to come up, or please put your hand up. But the idea is to share and learn, and every story has an impact. So don't be shy to come up and share. And regardless of whether you're an entrepreneur, you're 9 to 5, you're in between, young, old, doesn't matter. Uh, the topic is the champ. And so today we're talking about brand versus product, which is an awesome conversation. So uh, over to Travis to help set it up. Thank you, Satish. All right. So, you know, my perspective on this, obviously, uh, when I first started out, I, I really didn't think much about brand. I just focused on the problem in education and trying to deliver 
uh, a solution. And uh, I thought, okay, brand was this totally other thing that like has to do with marketing and, you know, was totally unrelated or it's not unrelated, but layered on top of, you know, all the other stuff that I do. And so I went learning about this and, and just sort of reading and, and trying to understand this. Someone introduced the concept to me. And then I realized like, and someone, you know, articulated what a brand meant. Um, you know, she, she really opened my eyes and, and oh my gosh, this is a, this is a, like a, a whole other thing that permeates everything I do. And so, you know, my, my best, uh, and I'll, I'll, throughout the session, I will um, essentially like kind of share some of these like uh, analogies or, or, or things that really help me understand and look at uh, the world um, with this new lens of brands. But the real first thing I would want to like lead with is we are all brands, like individually, we are all brands and our company, like there's no such thing as if one company is a brand and another company is not a brand because that other company is not thinking about brand or it, that's not the case at all. Like all companies and all people are brands. Brands, a brand is a currency of trust, but it's also so. And by, by trust, let me use the analogy of the U.S. or Canadian dollar. Right. We go to the store and we spend dollars. We earn dollars and save dollars. But if you found out that 50 percent or of the dollars in the in circulated in, in Canada or in the United States or any other market was it turned out to be fraud or something that counterfeit had permeated into our cir circulation, the the do that dollar would collapse. Mm. So there's a level of trust and integrity around our currency. So brand is in many ways a currency. It's a currency of trust, and we are all brands. Now whether we choose to or not. Um, you know, we can just focus on the functional level of a brand. So I look at this as like a three, like a 3D chess game where you can, you know, build a table and if the table is not wobbly and serves its function, then you've served like your brand. But whether you know it or not, there are other things and decisions you're making, your company's making, the cultures of the company, uh, you know, results in certain behaviors and, and how you, how you, manufacture those tables, how you design them, how you distribute them, how you market them, whether you know it or not, you're imputing things to customers about, well, yeah, this is a great table. I trust it when I buy it. Um, it's always reliable and sturdy, but also there are things you, whether you know it or not, like people feel things, right? And people like, how does this table make you feel is a conversation that sometimes brands overlook Huh. people are feeling things whether you are deliberately thinking about it or not what does this table stand for right and what do i stand for when i subscribe to this brand of a table and so brands are you know not just about this reliable currency of trust i can open the fridge and i know the food is going to be cold when i open it um, and i know these fridge brands are high quality on their last but also like what are the design decisions that you know, make this fridge look pretty and makes me like love its aesthetics. And how does it make me feel when the fridge is in the room? When What lights are using when it glows? Um, so how does it make you feel? How does it appeal to your senses? And then what are some of the design decisions? Are you using materials that are bad for the environment? Do they, what, what does this fridge stand for? Whether you know it or not, your brand is making decisions inside the company. There's a culture inside the company and you're making decisions and trade-offs 
and standing for something, whether you know it or not. And some brands just do that intentionally and think about it very, uh, uh, in, in, you know, thoughtfully. And some brands might not even be thinking about it. Arguably, Facebook is a great example of a brand that might not necessarily be thinking about all the things they ought to think about as it relates to privacy. Whereas maybe Snapchat, one might notice that they spend a little bit more time thinking about that. So brands are standing for things. And when you subscribe to that brand, you you stand for that as well. So that's kind of my initial take on it. I could add layers, but uh, I'm going to pass the mic. Who wants to? So be, just, before uh, you pass, how about you? Before you pass you. the mic, I think you broke it down uh, very well, man. Um, but I would love for you to break it down because I, I, I think I've got a sense of how you think over the last few few weeks, which I appreciate. And this version um, for me is the is the essence of a brand broken down by tone and, and decision-making and, and, and thought around a brand. Um, but maybe you could also humanize it. Like, at its core, and I struggle with this. Uh, I'm working on my first two-day boot camp entrepreneur course that I've been long overdue. And one of the topics I was stuck on is this idea of brand. How do I explain the concept of a brand to somebody who walks through life consuming all the content from the Facebooks to the bricks to the Best Buys to the to the Quiznos Subway, not understanding the, the brand experience, and now they want to be a first-time entrepreneur. They want to be an owner. How do we simplify the concept of what brand means? And I've been trying to explain it in the context of, like, I've got a brand. Travis, who just met me, has a brand. Whether we're going to get along and be homies or just vendor supplier or not at all depends on the brand we put out there. I don't know if that's too simple, but I love for you to also take the other version of like, how do we humanize the idea of a brand? Right. I, I, I so as a, that's a great question, Satish, and thanks for really helping me, like, like push me to like really keep it, like simplify this. Um, so tell me if this resonates with you, Satish, if this helps. So one of the, first things I realized, and as I said earlier, like we are all brands and when we build something, we're building something that ultimately is a brand. And um, so anyone listening who's like wondering, what does this mean? What does a brand mean? Just understand this, that you are a brand and two people. So when people, like there might be certain people in your lives that trust you for certain things, that can rely on you for certain things, whether it's to make you feel good about themselves when they're going through a rough time, whether it's simply to be there for them when they need your help on, a, on something specific, whether it's to, because of the things you stand for and they stand for and therefore can identify with your values and are part of their tribe. We all are brands as humans. And what companies do, and even when it's just a founder of one and you're just working on, on a product, ultimately, without even knowing it, your personal brand permeates into the thing you're working on. So Satish, in your example, right, the first thing, like even for our first customer, like the brand that they got behind was me. Like my first district uh, saw me and what I stood for and what I was trying to solve. Didn't quite understand if it was going to work, but saw the passion and said, like, we're going to give this a try. Right. And my first investors didn't like like the like it, it was not even about the idea more than it was the passion and the person and like what is like and like of course all of that is manifested in the thing you're delivering to your customer 
the thing that the investors ultimately see, but how you approach a problem, how you want to solve the problem. Why are you doing this in the first place? What what is tugging at your heart uh, as an individual, Satish, to serve this market? All of that is permeating from you into your brand in the way you make your decisions. And often organically, your customer is seeing that and feeling that. Here's what happens at scale. Along the way, there's going to be people who kind of want to join your mission, join your cause internally, and they start to shape the brand. Their individual brands start to shape their brand. But one of the things I learned over time is uh, your culture and the way you approach the problem signals to the people who join your cause in your company to focus on certain things over other things. So, for example, one thing I didn't, even before I even learned about brand or like, oh, there are like three levels to a brand, I, I, did, I was doing this intuitively without even realizing it. A lot of, uh, you know, um, the way I work is I'm thinking about three things. I was doing this intuitively. So uh, I was trying to solve the problem at a technical point. So objectively speaking, how do we solve this problem around uh, students struggling in math and school systems trying to improve their math scores? So I looked at gamification. I looked at all these other uh, elements and features and products that you know, uh, product categories that I could play with to sort of tackle that problem head on. But I also ignored private schools because I really, really, really wanted to solve this problem of public education. And so just the very fact that I was ignoring certain categories until I cracked this problem, the very fact that I was very, very interested in, you know, this, uh, the problem of scaling education and the role of edtech that can support some of these issues that were systemic to all education systems, is a, a design decision, like is a, is a decision that I made personally, but then the company as a result was able to invest and prioritize specific issues affecting, you know, uh, school systems that were at scale, right? That's how we were able to uncover, you know, the specific issues unique to public schools. And the, that's that, I wasn't even sitting there thinking about how people will appreciate this, at, you know, at the values level, can, oh, what a great company, yada, yada, yada. I wasn't thinking that, nor were, was I sitting there thinking this is a good signal to districts. But it was happening just simply in the way that the features were coming out, the product was coming out. Uh, in the early days, I was traveling into classrooms with a big suitcase of tablets, trying to understand what were the problems in the classroom. So as a CEO, focusing my, all my energy at the problem, you know, everyone who was, you know, we were at that time, two other uh, co-founders who were basically prioritizing all of their energy around the problem as well. We were trying to understand the problem of internet, the problem of teach students forgetting passwords, the problem of student engagement. So what does this mean about a brand? This was a brand that clearly cared about the product, the experience and student engagement and specifically in public education. So all of this was just organically happening. Now I'll give you an example of something inside the product feature that I was doing intuitively without realizing it. But now I have like a structural way of looking at it so that at scale, as more people come into the organization, we can institutionalize components of this in a way that allows for the culture to scale. So what I was doing was like, we have this thing called game show where kids essentially answer math questions uh, in a group setting. And initially we had this concept called a leaderboard like Kahoot where students were all uh, answering questions really quickly uh, to get onto the top of the leaderboard. But for math education, this is actually extremely detrimental for math. So, and I struggled in math. So what we noticed, similar to Kahoot, what we noticed at Knowledgeic with our game show was 
the kids were actually like uh, racing to answer the questions. So memorizing the answers or trying to memorize, they were rewarded for rote memory, right? And they weren't rewarded for critical thinking. And only the kids who were, you know, the quickest and the most accurate were actually getting on the leaderboard. And so this was very uh, not conducive of like math learning. And so we redesigned that and took the time to design this thing called collaborative mode, which allowed for all of the classroom students to be able to answer the question, take their time. And when there was a milestone, you know, at the end of it, instead of a leaderboard, everyone was jumping up and down because they all achieved a collaborative milestone. This is actually very important for math education. If you Google Kahoot and if you Google like the leaderboard and ask teachers about Kahoot for math, they'll consistently, they're best advocates that it's terrible for math. Right. So this aligns to the values of the teachers and like what math learning should look like and how leaderboards are really bad for the, the, encouraging the right thing in the classroom. I wasn't thinking about, you know, uh, you know, the three levels of brand and brand architecture. But as an individual, I was making these decisions without realizing it. So we all are doing these things when we build something for a customer. Ruben the other day talked about value, right? Value for your customer, not just in the product, but in helping them as individuals. A lot of people chimed to this and talked about how they created value, you know, uh, in terms of like, you know, Ravi's talking about the podcast and how he creates value for them in that way, right? And so all of these things are, you know, individual brands permeating into their company brands. And, you know, we could dive into how that could scale and how to create frameworks to help you see it at a larger scale, but that's essentially um, you know, how I look at it. Does that help, Satish? Yeah, I think, you know, what's interesting about how you structured it is brands tend to be sort of this architecture um, that that helps you sort of your marketing and brand strategy and all your external conversations. But you've also find a, found a way to internalize what the brand meant to help you make executive decisions. And, and what are the innovations you're going to go after and not go after, and it became more of a, of a, of a, of a guiding, you know, system in addition to all of the other benefits of thinking about brand, which is, which is amazing, man. And and I think that's why I was fascinated by this, by this topic. And you know, the, the folks that are in the room, um, a when you get the mic, I would love for you to just share like what you think your brand is. Like if you were to explain to somebody what your brand is, what would that be? And then and then feel free to add on to, to you know, the discussion today. Uh, and one of the things I'm also trying to maybe document for all of us and, and future listeners is, you know, in addition to the, the three breakdowns that Travis talked about, what are those pillars? You know, we have so many, you know, things to consider. And I ran a brand agency for 12 years. So this is like, you know, coffee time, cooler talk, you know, the, from the logo to the typography to the color choices to the tone of the, the brand. Uh, and in some cases you know, brand first or product first, you know, I'm, I'm building a education company where we don't know our brand yet, but we built a product that solves an immediate problem. We're about to break six figures, but I can't tell you what the brand is yet until we get deeper into building a company and then the brand will sort of evolve. And so I would love as you pass the mic, um, who, what is your brand? And then, and then let's explore brand versus product, but great setup, Travis. Thank you. I'm going to pass it to Kulana. Okay, thank you, Travis. Um, my understanding about brand is very simple. You started, you said you were solving problems. 
in my understanding, either you solve problems or provide pleasure or happiness to people. When you do it for thousands of people, that's become local brand. When you do it for millions of people, it become national brand. Then we do it for billions of people, it become global brand. So what we do is um, the policy, the, the, the culture, everything should guide us, not the customers, not the public, not the, not the consumers. So we create those guidance, you know, all those um, system in place for us to guide towards that, that solution providing or the pleasure providing. That's all we can provide. And the brand created by the public or the consumers, so whoever consuming our products or service or the solutions that we are pro providing for their pain. That's what I believe in brand and um, continuously you do it, your brand becomes bigger and bigger and uh, you create a culture among the people, among your system. And then that's how it is brand works for me. I, that's how I understand. Maybe differently you can explain to me. Thank you. Cooler, man. That's, that's a, let me bring my mic down a little bit. That's also an interesting way to look at it where you're looking at it from a perspective of, we're going to go focus on the solution. We're going to do a damn good job. We're going to take care of our customers. And as our customers grow, they will help us figure out the brand. Is, is that kind of how you're looking at it? Yeah, if we don't have a customer, there's no point. We, the brand is not going to help us if we don't have the customer base. So when you do it for locally uh, within your communities where you live or the town you live, it's become local brand. Then you go around the country or among, uh, entire country, that's become national brand and then global. Uh, you can see these uh, like a Coca-Cola. I'm sure they started small, solving their local problems and then become that, that's become uh, international um, uh, solving. Uh, I mean, thirst, whatever thirst that people had, it, they solved that issue or they gave pleasure to people. Now it's a global brand. That's how I'm looking at it. No, that's a great way, man. As you pass the mic on, whoever's going to get the mic, um, Kula's comment reminded me of a, of, of a comment way back. You know, your brand is what people say about you when you leave the room. Um, I don't know if this is still relevant. I heard it a while back. But whoever's got the mic next, and Kula pick the next person. But A, you know, talk about your brand, whatever your project or your, your company or your personal sort of brand identity, and then, you know, what, what, is it, what does it mean to you? On my left, Rajan. Rajan, you can come up. Thank you, Klana. Um, so uh, in terms of brand, um, I, I, it kind of resonates with what Kulana said and what Travi, uh, Travis said. The way I look at uh, brand is the, the product and the value you create, uh, it should echo the brand to the con consumer. Um, and I'm one of those people who doesn't like the idea of, you know, spending money on branding versus um, put all the effort into making that product that the customer loves. Um, you know, just to retract, um, if, if someone tells you a brand uh, verbiage that says punctuality, um, what comes to my mind is Japanese people. Right, they they establish themselves as a civilization for punctuality. Um, if if a Japanese firm or a company that says they're going to deliver a, a product or project on a date, they actually hit that date. No later than a day, no earlier than a day. They hit it on that day. Um, and likewise, you know, when someone says um, safety, uh, what comes to my mind is Volvo. 
the Volvo car company over the years built a product that stands out for safety. Um, you know, similarly, um, you know, whenever you're building a product, um, I would focus more on the product and the problem solving. Um, that would automatically carry a brand out, whether it's local or global. Obviously, like Kulana said, it, it comes as part of customer acquisition and growth. Um, but, you know, my two cents is uh, focus on the product and the problem you're trying to solve. Um, you know, like when I met Travis, um, uh, for me, Travis is a brand as a product-oriented CEO. It's the guy focused on the product. Um, that's my two cents. Um, Very cool. Back-to-back, similar approach. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree a little bit only because of the choices I made you know, coming out uh, in, into the things that I worked on before you passed the mic. But, you know, when we looked at, like, our music festival 14 years ago, 15 years ago, we didn't know uh, how to build the product yet. We've never done festivals. We've never done music shows. I've been a DJ most of my high school life, and I know how to throw events. But to go out there and say, we're going we're gonna to do a national music festival and four-city tours and all this stuff, we didn't know the product yet. But... My gamble was that if I made the brand sexy and proactive and, and all borderline revolutionary, can I attract the right people who can help me build the product? And so we went out from day one saying Daisy Fest is Canada's largest South Asian music festival, four countries, 500 artists, da 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 da, with nothing but like a PowerPoint deck. But in three months, we attracted some incredible event organizers. And then that led to raising some very significant dollars. And then we did our first show on the backs of building a brand. And then that brand sort of stuck as the narrative for the next 15 years. Um, and so I've had a different approach in like taking a risk on building a brand before the product existed. But that's my two I cents. Love, I love the, the juxtaposition between what Rajan and Satish said. You know, and I think like, you know, we all arrive to it through our individual brands and how we approach the problem. But what I learned is like to not separate brand as just one aspect of the business, but that brand permeates every aspect of the business. It's really about brand is really about how you approach your product, how you approach your marketing. And even the idea of the way you sequence marketing or the way you sequence product. Brand is about the way you do customer support, even how you handle customer returns. You can see a company's brand based on the way they handle the customer returns. Brand is about how you approach things. And often as you scale, like culture um, helps, like the way you set the culture and the tone on how, how to approach things, how to feel about things really goes a long way in building a great brand. Well said, man. A quick reset. Uh, thank you, everybody that's coming up to speak. Um, I can't wait to hear you guys share your brand and your approach to branding and, and product development. Just to reset the, the room really quickly, we're talking about brand versus product. Uh, tonight's sponsored guest, Travis, incredible topic. And of course, uh, Ravi is going to jump in and, and uh, share his vision of branding and, and how he's built his brand so far. And so, uh, Rajan, man, thank you for sharing. Uh, pass the mic. And anybody else who wants to jump on and share, please just put your hand up. We'll invite you in. And some of you, I'm poking your, your bios to read a little bit about you. And there's some exciting people that are just listening who I love to come up and share some thoughts too. But um, Rajan, 
let's pick, uh, yes. let's pick the um, next person. So, uh, you know, uh, Sadish, what you mentioned is great. Um, obviously, um, the way uh, it can work is uh, where if it's a marketing uh, sort of brand first and then try to go develop a product, there's a risk about stickiness. Um, but, you know, I would like to hear more around um, this from maybe Ren. Um, I know Ren has a, a hardware product startup and she might be already going through some branding versus product approach. Thanks, Rajan, and thanks, uh, everyone. I think the, Satish, uh, just to kind of point out, I know you had disagreed with Rajan, but I thought, I, I really think you agreed with him in some point, because when you had mentioned even launching Desi Fest, you still had the DJ brand to you that helped you evolve and create and run that product. So the way that I look at broad, uh, brand versus product is like, it depends on what stage you're in. Like, for example, when I had started Fidget Toys and the hardware company, the product had to lead first. And then myself as an individual became the brand and very well tied. Like even Rajan, I think we've only met through this kind of conversation and you're able to pick up and even brand me as a hardware startup founder. So that being shared, Ooh, depending on the stage that. you're at, um, I think it's almost like your product might lead your whatever that step may be and the brand follows. And then at when you become that serial entrepreneur or you move on to different things, your brand comes first and then your product fa follows because of the edification and the credibility that you've built. So that being shared, if I were to take it back to the toy company in itself, the brand stood for like impact. It stood for care. So being able to support and care about community and being community focused. And that was because of the different elements, which I think each and every one of you touched upon, where it gets penetrated based on who you bring on as a team. The moment I brought on a designer on the team, their brand influenced and impacted uh, the product in a particular way, the, the approach or the appearance of um, in the physical and sensible form, but also how it gets represented to uh, the community as well as uh, investors and such. So I think depending on the stage, this brand and product can, it's almost like that chicken and egg um, scenario. So that's kind of my take on there. No, I'm, I'm glad you connected the dots and you're so right. You know, having been a DJ in the music industry for 10 years leading up to it, even though people had no idea if I can do a festival, there was already a, uh, a Satish quality established, which is similar to like what I'm doing with Schoolio. I have no background in, in education or education tech or teacher but I've got a background as an entrepreneur, building things, exiting, treating people right, building value in, a, in, an, in an economy. So the lack of education expertise gets overlooked at this stage of my life. But you're totally right. You know, combining sort of your personal brand and, and, and what you're building uh, is, is a beautiful bridge. So thank you for pointing that out. For sure. Um, as for passing on the mic, I'd love to pass it on to... Sundar, I feel like you've got a great brand. I've heard of you through friends and family, and now I, I'd, I'd love to hear it from you and as, as the group. Thanks, Ren, I appreciate that. Um, great to be on stage with all of you guys. I feel like I've read about you guys, Travis, Sadish, um, I know Rajan, um, but uh, yeah, I'm brand, um, Sadish, you, you, you talked about this early on, and I wanna circle back on some of the things Ren also mentioned. 
around sort of humanization and, and brand and how much your personal brand has to do with whatever you do or whatever you make. Um, I'm a marketer, uh, I'm also a comedian, um, and I guess a community builder, if you can call me that. And my personal brand is about what I stand for. Um, and just like that, I think brands are, are about the same thing. What, are you, what do you stand for? What do you do? And then the other, and the, other, the other side of it is, how do you make people feel, right? So when those things come together, that's your personal brand, but that's all the brand of the things that you work on, your company, um, the people around you. And like Ren said, whoever joins your company or is a part of anything that you create becomes a part of your brand as well. So I, I think often we can lose sight of the human aspects of a brand, but it's like how we judge people or how we preserve, uh, how we're per perceived, sorry, it's really late here, uh, is, is your brand. So I think um, we shouldn't lose sight of that when we're, when we're talking about brand and sort of the human aspects of it. Yeah, I love that, man. Thanks for coming on. And you know, I, I was going to ask you a quick follow-up question because I feel like um, you being a marketer and also a comedian, uh, it, there's two different roles, maybe some common brand values. And uh, I wanted to sort of set this up with you to go, hey, you know, when the question of like, what do I stand for? That's that's massive by mm. itself, let mm. alone now you've got this comedian identity with its set of brand values. You as a marketer, do they cross pollinate? Are they independent? Are you conscious of like the playground in the middle? Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, uh, people who've come to my shows or seen me perform or even follow me online know that you know, my, my, as a comedian, I don't just say funny things and, and leave it. I'm an activist. I talk about things that piss me off in the community, whether it's, you know, uh, last year I ran a whole campaign or, or was part of a campaign bringing down a, a movie that was um, being produced in Toronto. Um, so that was a, you know, that was, that was a part of my brand. So I make conscious efforts to think about what sort of activism I take place in, not for my brand, but for what I feel is right. And that's what, people are I think attracted to me about and then when I talk when I perform on stage and when I talk about comedy I think about how am I adding to the conversations that we should be happening that should be happening within our community so for example uh, I'm queer so I talk about LGBTQ issues within the Thelma community I talk about um, how how comedy can be a vehicle for um, starting conversations that we haven't had before in our community, but also how, har how harmful comedy that we've consumed in the past has um, shaped the way that we view things within our community as well. So it's about being intelligent and um, really, and then the other part of it is putting on a good show. Rajan's come to my show, so he knows how it is, but um, it's not just about me, it's about the experience that people come to a show for. Um, I wanna blow people out of the, out of the world out of their world basically um if you've never experienced thermal comedy before i want your experience to be phenomenal when you come to one of my shows so that's the kind of experience that i create with my brand um and yeah so i hope that answers it no that's that's incredible man i appreciate you for sharing and welcome to welcome to the group you know uh and i, and I feel like um at some point if we can all come see you we got to host a night where you come to your thing and we'll all be here <laughs> at Clubhouse, and like it'll be, it'll be an evening yeah. of, of of like music and comedy, man. So uh, I miss I miss live events. So I'm kind of hoping 
it'll all come back. But thank you for sharing. Uh, we passed the mic here, so you've got a few people that haven't had a chance to speak yet, so let's, let's keep uh, passing the mic. Sure, I'll pass it on to Darshika. Thanks, Sundar. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Darshika. Um, ba my background is HR, and I work with emerging talent. So that's uh, students and, and graduating students that are transitioning from, um, you know, college, university life into the, the workforce and uh, adulthood. Um, and we put them into a program that um, develops their leadership skills. I was actually going to talk about sure. personal brand and Sundar just took all the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> um, because one of the workshops that um, I lead is about personal brand. Um, so a personal brand is just what Sundar um, described, um, how others describe you when you're not in a room, what you stand for, our profession in and are passionate about. Um, the value you command professionally, what you bring to your business relationship and a personal brand contributes to your career profile. So, um, yeah, so I think Sundar, you're a great example of someone with a very strong personal brand. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I have anything more to add. I, I have a quick question since you brought yeah. up the idea of personal branding. Uh, I recently watched that um, HBO fame, uh, the show called Famous. I think uh, they were making fun of influencers and all this stuff. But in today's, you know, public facing, you know, everybody wants to be on the right side of 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 the road kind of mindset. Um, when you're talking about personal branding, are people coming in saying, "Hey, this is who I really am. Help me build a brand," or? I want to be the next this person. How do I build that brand? Um, a little bit of both. Um, in on my side of things, it's more career focused. Um, so it's really like figuring out who you are as as the person and and what you believe in. I guess um, because you're these kids. I, I call them kids. <laughs> they're they're coming out of school and they're kind of finding certain niches that that they want to kind of go for right so it's just about figuring things out and um figuring out like what they want to do and how they want to go about and do it um i don't know if that answers your question no it does man and i'm going to throw it back to travis for a second to sort of jump in on on continuing to sort of give us that top line thinking around this stuff so travis how does a brand change now you know travis the 20-year-old, Travis, the 25-year-old, Travis, the, the husband and, and, and father, uh, second company versus first company. Does the approach to brand building evolve as you grow? And then what does that impact look like? That's a great question. I, I, I love, I just wanted to comment on some of the, the, the folks around the individual brand and how, like, uh, you know, even Kula, I remember when I first met him, uh, he, you know, getting to know him, he said, you know, you should talk to people who've known me for 15 years. I was like, do you know anyone who might know me for for this long? I'm like, no, I'm not sure. Well, don't, isn't your uncle so-and-so? I'm like, yeah, go talk to him. So I did. And it was just impressive how confident he was, um, you know, on what people would say who've, who've known him for so long. Um, so there's this brand reputation that is like a currency that gets like fine wine gets better over time because the more you get to know someone, the more you observe a brand over its long arc of, of life and your experiences, uh, the stronger you start to recognize how this brand responds through all of life's 
challenges, right? And it's people, people are brands in this way. Um, and then like something Sundar really commented on, which is, is like, is a really good like segue into like, like the more I started to understand the nuance, the first thing I, I started to uh, do, which I think is relevant for everyone is get rid of this notion that to be building a brand, you have to be an expert on the topic. You are a brand. <laughs> you are like a brand. You are approaching everything you do in life uh, related to how you want to, what you believe in, how you feel about something. And so even if you pick up a pen and write something, it's going to manifest in such a way that reflects what you believe in, what you stand in. Even if you're writing a letter to serve a certain function, uh, to inform someone of XYZ, the way you write it, the words you choose, the, the hand sprite writing style, you are a brand. And so we are all brands. What I started to uh, realize when you start building a company is to not think of brand as, oh, this thing on the side, marketing versus say, PR. I used to think that it was like there was PR, there was marketing, and then there was brand. That's how I thought about it. I was completely wrong. Like brand is not just the, it's certainly not the logo. The logo is just, the thing people associate, the way people associate Darshika by the name Darshika. But the words and the letters itself don't represent Darshika, right? It's the, per it's the experiences and the memories people have when they, who people who know Darshika over a long period of time. That's the word. So the logo and how, what your name is, is and the colors and the fonts of your name is less important than what, what it stands for when they meet you. Right. So once you get rid of those notions that brand is just this thing on the side, it's just about how you approach it. Then what happens is like as you start scaling the company, um, you notice like like it's, you know, certain things that feel off brand to you start to uh, occur. And so something that really helped me and it kind of touches back on something Sundar does organically is this concept of three levels of a great brand. So level one, like I said, is function. So when you build a table, and it's not wobbly. Like imagine if every table you built was wobbly and the legs fell off. Okay, that's not a good brand. It's not a reliable brand, right? And so the first thing that all companies and, and tape, you know, have to do when they build a product or services, can I rely on the same great experience? Like Satish, every time Satish uh, hosted a, a, an event, was it a, did everyone enjoy like the, the creative experience, the artists and you know, that sort of thing. So that's, there's, there's at one level, there's function. Right. If Satish hosted events but had a reputation for tickets, you know, you know, being just like not count, you know, like what if you oversold and like people purchased for tickets and so they couldn't show up or it, the event started like late and or finished too early or the event was canceled too often, then that at the functional level, like the event wouldn't like hold its brand. So all brands hit that functional level. The second level is the feelings. Like, how do you feel as you go through your experience? The third one is relevant to what Sundar was saying, so I'm going to get to that one. The, the second level is census. So some companies take time to think about, uh, you know, the colors, the anything that appeals to all the senses. Are you guys familiar with this bottle, uh, Snap, I think it's called, the, the drink bottle, the glass drink bottle, where when you pop the lid, it makes a little uh, snap sound? Well, it turns out that that snap sound was designed by sound engineers to specifically uh, make that sound to impute that like the, the, there's a vacuum in the bottle and it's fresh. So if you ever run into a bottle that was already open, if you don't hear the snap, you know, oh, this is not a good drink. This you can't you don't drink from that bottle because it's it's lost its seal. 
And so they went out of their way to do that. So senses are, obviously the iPhone is a great example of this. Prior to this, like most cell phones didn't have that level of sleekness except for the Motorola Razr at the time where they were thinking above and beyond just the function of the phone. Um, level three is values. So if you go to Sundar's profile, you can see what he stands for. The, where, where does his comedy uh, focus on? And where does it not focus on? Just as important, if not more important, right? What does it avoid? What does it try to say? In order for Sundar to do that, and this is why I would love to hear his comments on this, you have to actually like redefine the domain. You have to invent yourself, invent, reinvent comedy, because some of this legacy uh, comedical styles, you know, uh, if you were just to copy and paste that, you would run into problems. And so for Sundar to actually take upon this added challenge, right, of being able to not build on the prior work of other comedians, but to reinvent comedy so that it's equally fun and show people there's a way to have fun without at the exclusion of certain groups. That requires him to put in extra miles and extra effort and extra experimentation. If he, and, you know, and that's not easy in standup, like to take on that added challenge. It's so much easier, just default. If you need to pay the bills, just default to the old stuff, right? Find an audience. And, but here he is taking that added challenge. And so brand like, like certain companies, like you know, like they are taking the extra mile to solve problems that others are ignoring because it aligns to your what your values, and it, it that doesn't just happen overnight. There you're, you're taking on added challenges along with the business model of serving you know your 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 market, and so but in the long run, when you build a brand that is a level three brand, when your employees come to that organization, when people see that organization, it drives higher loyalty on both fronts. It's easier to attract talent. It's easier to retain talent. And even if like, let's say one day Sundar makes a mistake, you know, accident, and this can happen, right? Where he accidentally says something and realizes he made a mistake. He'll have longer, more loyalty with his audience because they, if you look at the long arc of what he tries to do, he's like spending so much time trying to create this uh, uh, evolved genre of comedy that people will be more loyal to him, even if he makes a mistake. And that's what a great brand can do when they operate across all three levels. What a great answer. Uh, Ravi, you haven't said much today, and this is like your favorite topic. So what's going on? Yeah, I've just been listening and taking it in, um, especially uh, Travis's monologues are always so good. What's gold in there. But um, when it comes to brand, um, so this is something that's really uh, personal to me because in my childhood, I was, I was reflect. I was affected by these two two main ca main things, right? One, uh, like a lot of South Asians, my dad was uh, super anal about how things look, uh, especially when it comes to like writing. So if I was ever to write, like handwrite an essay back when we used to do that, um, handwriting, uh, you know, cursive writing or just normal text, the first thing he would do is look look at how everything looks like. If my uh, if the hand if the, if it you know wasn't neat, it wasn't nice. He would just rip it up and like do it all over again. And that was traumatic. And I just learned at that point, like form equals function is similar to function, form equals function, right? So how things look is just as equal to how things function. And then secondly, super random, but uh, if you remember like, T T like uh, TVO um, used to have these like great Canadian moments. And there was this one Canadian moment for some reason, it just stuck in my head, right? It was like a Canadian moment about uh, Marshall uh, McLuhan. Um, he, he was a, a Canadian um, professor. 
and he came up with this idea called the medium is a message. It was uh, it was meant to be about the you know the new medium of broadcasting back in the 70s when uh, you know mass media was starting to become like a mainstream. The idea was that how the message is told is just as important as the message, and this always stuck with me. And, and uh, you know, with my companies, with uh, everything I do, I always had to focus on how things look. Uh, it was just as important or even more important, the content or the, or, or the function or what it does. Because you might be bad at what you do initially, you might be getting better and better, but if it looks a certain way, if it has a certain aesthetic, if it has a certain appeal, if it, it looks professional, people gravitate to it, right? Like um, there are certain aesthetics right now that appeal to this. And, uh, and, and Travis, um, if you remember, there was someone who came up on stage before and we we're talking about her legal startup. And the first thing I said, you know, we, we mentioned when we opened up our page was that, wow, what a beautiful website, right? The first thing it's like, the, there's a brand aesthetic there, the text, how things are uh, aligned. Like there there's things that you naturally pick up and it's like, you just put it in a premium grade. It doesn't look like a normal startup. It doesn't look like it's been bootstrapped, but even though it was. So, you know, the, the branding is not necessarily, you know, uh, about reputation or people think of it, but also what you project out into the world. Uh, and you can have a lot of control over this if you put in, in time and effort, like the substance of whatever you're doing, your project, your company, um, your music, your, your label, whatever it is, you know, it, it might be not that good. You might be evolving uh, and getting better, but if you if you take the time and effort to project a certain image, a, a, a like you know an aesthetic, uh, a form uh, that equals a function, people start associating you with that with that quality. Um, so it's this is something that I, I focus on a lot, and I fun and I and I and I, and I um, over leverage on. Uh, there's been so many times in my life, you know, when like you know I'm, I'm submitting like a proposal to a client. Uh, you know, I might be not be super confident on my, in, the, in, the, in the ability to deliver because it might be something new that I'm offering, it might be something that, uh, something that they wanted that uh, I'll have to discover on my own. But if we can make the proposal look really good, right, and uh, make it look, you know, have some nice images, make sure that, like, you know, uh, the, the spacing is really good, like the type of font you use, if you can make that really, really nice and appealing, it gives a premium grade. So when they rifle through it, they're like, whoa, like these people know what they look, they're talking about, even though they might not be even reading it, right? So branding for me is what you project out in the world. It's something that you can control. Uh, and if you can project it and, and, and learn to project really well, it gives you power. I love that, man. And I know how obsessive you get with the content you put out. Uh, even, you know, look at your picture, you know, it, it's got your branding in it. It's got the, the lighting in it that, that was the brand that you built. So I, I really love that. Uh, we're down to six minutes or so. I know Bien's been up here. Bien, I want to get your thoughts before we hit uh, 10 o'clock. Um, you know the topic already, brand versus product. Uh, jump in, my man. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm just uh, driving here, so hopefully you guys can hear me. Um, yeah, like for for me, my my I can only speak from my experience of how like our e-commerce brand kind of developed over the course of the last year, uh, and it was quite organic. And and I, I actually don't like you know going through the last year, I've learned that you know brand is actually built by um, by like the interactions that you have with the community that you're selling into. Uh, and, and everybody has a community, whether or not it's a uh, a community that you regularly interact with, or an audience that you're that you're 
conveying your value proposition to. But but there's this whole like loop that that I experience is that like from you know end to end like the customer experience from the first time they touch your website to the first time they make that decision to buy it to the to the end result when they receive the package. Uh, in my case, like you know we're talking about e-commerce products, but uh, but the experience can be like conveyed across the software product as well. I mean that that customer journey and that experience that they go through will define your brand a lot of times, and and you know people will decide from that point on whether or not to say nothing about your brand in in uh, in, in conversation. They'll speak about it in private rooms. They'll refer you. They'll recommend you. You know what I mean? And so when I think about brand, I think about this uh, this loop that is created when you create a perfect end-to-end customer experience that defines um, your uh, the, the customer's uh, journey in your in your product or solution, and and from that you know you can attach some sort of logo or image or something that you can associate it to. And it's funny, like um, when when we first launched our our e-commerce business uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, you know we didn't think it would grow the way it did, and. Uh, and it was funny, like I, I, you know, one day uh, we were we were like, I think it was two months into the pandemic, and we started having all these, you know, interesting referral loops that were happening uh, as we were selling. Uh, that you know, I decided, hey, I'm I'm gonna create like this logo rather than the generic, you know, logo that we currently just threw up there because we were just, you know, uh, just getting it up for the sake of it. Uh, and I decided to do this, you know, interesting, you know, cartoon. And and funny, like it's like it, it it wasn't anything I thought much of, but you know, over time, as we kept uh, we printed stickers of it, we would attach it to as a package, and, and it kind of reminds me of like when Amazon kind of like started, like the the employees would drop happy faces on the the box, like it it creates like this brand, right? Like, and so when people receive it, um, you know, I I didn't think much of it because we just thought it was fun, like we'd stick this like stupid looking character. Uh, on our packages as we ship them, but I started noticing that, like when I went to UPS and then when I went to FedEx and every time I dropped off a package at Canada Post, that that little sticker was actually differentiating our our package every time we send it out, and they would always notice that. And and uh, you know I learned from our customers too that you know they recognized and associated like you know our uh, that that stupid looking sticker to our brand and and. You know, and so that's why I believe that you know, like the brand is really more associated with the the customer experience and the loop, and then eventually it may attach itself to some bigger, like you know, some some logo or something like that. So that that that's my two cents on branding and and, and my experience with it, at least from from my uh, perspective. Thank you. Guys. Uh, I love that, Bien, uh, and I think you you brought in some of the touch points that is important and I'm going to hit you up offline because I could use some of that advice as I'm building my e-commerce experience and we noticed an interesting jump too when we started to include these like like schoolio stickers and packaging so uh, I got lots to learn and I think I'm going to hit you up last question before we shut down for the day uh, Travis back to you hey thank you for bringing this amazing topic and uh, letting us all dive into it deep uh, and to close it off, some of the iconic brands, man, you know, the, the guys that built global brands, the Elon, the Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Michael Dell, all these guys. Um, if you can use everything you've said so far and then sort of 
break down what they've done to create these big global brands. Can you summarize with like one or two leave behinds that all of us can just inspire to? Sure, absolutely. Thank you. Satish, you're always, you and Ravi, like you guys make a powerful moderator. Ruben's missed here today. I know he's he couldn't make it. And he's going to talk about another topic later called feature versus product versus company. So we limited this conversation. That's a great topic. We're just focused on brand here. Um, I'll leave with this story from Michael Dell. Okay. So apparently, and this was when I was like, like during that, that <laughs> imposter syndrome around, oh my gosh, I don't know what a brand is. And I went looking. Um, apparently, even Michael Dell didn't know what a brand was because he hired all the brand experts or didn't think he knew is what I should say because he definitely built the brand. He hired all the brand experts uh, apparently in a room because I heard the story from a brand expert giving the speech, a number of them, and brought him into a boardroom and said, listen, why are people having this emotional connection to Apple? Like, why don't they have this emotional connection to Dell, right? And so I'm just going to leave with the, the question I, I constantly ask our team um, to help reinforce why that is. Because Michael Dell uh, is like the Dell computer brand is a brand, right? But there are three levels to a brand. And even the very act of ignoring levels two and three is also just as good as a brand. Like the, the ignoring how you, you know, Ravi was talking about the font and the colors, even the act of ignoring it signals that you, you're saying that's not important to us. Serving this reliably, cheaply, affordably is our brand. So if the font looks tacky, that's part of our brand, right? And so Dell was very much focused on level one, delivering an affordable price point, customizing your, your computer. But what are the three levels of a brand? And so we said this before, but I'll, I'll just leave it again just to remind us. Level one is function, which Dell did. But why was Apple, uh, you know, having customers that were loyal, that had an emotional appeal? Why did people feel when they saw Apple? Because Apple operated on level two and three as much as the Apple operated on level one. Level two was aesthetics and really thinking about how people feel in their experience, not just in the, the feelings of the product, but the feelings of how you purchase the product. When Apple launched the iPhone, they they only worked with one uh, telco provider because that was the only telco provider that was willing to restructure the way people purchase phones because Steve Jobs absolutely hated the purchasing process, right? And so it's like, this is terrible for a customer. We need to redefine this for all of phone purchases. And that was the only provider. And so level two is about how people feel through your experience. And then level three is like, what do you stand for, right? And Apple stood for very clearly a brand that wanted to be accessible to the masses. They wanted to be something that wasn't complicated or intimidating. And so they really focused on ease of use. And if you think about what the world was like before the smartphone revolution, right? You had Blackberries and all these other things. If you go back to Steve Jobs' like demo of the iPhone one launch, he has a picture right there of all these other phones with like complicated buttons all over them, right? And since the beginning, Apple stood for, we want to make this available to everyone. Your grandmother should be able to send email. A child should be able to send email. Like keep it simple, right? And so that's not easy. It's harder to do. And clearly those other phones who advanced the, you know, the, the, the mobile smartphone revolution that's late, like that upon which Apple stood on, um, you know, are smart people. 
But in order to do those things and make it easy to use, you have to be operating at level three. And I think Apple was really, really great at that. And so again, what are the three levels of brand? Level one, function, level two, senses, and level three, value. And if you can think about things on all three levels of what you stand for, what you want to care about, I think you build a stronger emotional brand. And I leave you with that. Yes, what a wow. perfect way to end it. Ravi, you want to say anything on the outro? No, I, I just love that. Those uh, three levels to branding. Travis, that was great. It's amazing, guys. Uh, we're going to play a little music on the way out, which is something new we're trying out. But in the meantime, hit that, that pokey face on everybody. Like everybody, follow everybody. We're back tomorrow with another topic. And if you want to bring some ideas to the table, just DM us. Do whatever we got to do. We're here to share, learn. Travis, thanks you again. Ravi is always amazing. And I'm your host, Satsby. We're out. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you, guys. Take care, guys. All you ever they talk so much on me. I must be doing something right. I saw my Sunday.